Amen. Romans chapter 13 and Ephesians chapter 6. Romans chapter 13 and Ephesians chapter 6. Can we take a moment just to acknowledge all the mothers who passed away? Thank God for giving us the capacity to have memories of them. I know that's easier said than done. Our mamas might not be around forever. My mama is a godly woman, and it shows in her character. You know, there's Christians that you can just tell, spend time in the Word of God. You know, uh, as a youth leader for years, I would, you know, there was kids that were reading their Bible, at least for a time. They'd be reading their Bible every day because they'd be telling you about it. They'd be excited about it. And then there was kids that were, it was obvious that they weren't. You can tell in their demeanor. Church. It's the same for adults. We think we can hide it, but we can't hide it. What's on the inside comes out. If you're spending time with the Lord, it's going to come out. Thank God for godly mamas. I've mentioned this several times in messages in the past, but, but, but it's timely. Uh, me and my mom, um, uh, when, when, when I was growing up and living at home, uh, we did a lot of cooking together. And truth be known, I was, I was trying to help her out. Love you, Mom, if you're watching this at home. But, uh, but it was often because we didn't have, like, nothing. We, we, my dad was a janitor, and Remember, man, there's nothing in the house to eat. This isn't supposed to be a cry message. I'm not supposed to do this. It's supposed to be an exciting, encouraging message. But uh, we had chicken, enough for the family. We didn't have salt or pepper. We didn't have nothing. My mom got some grape jelly. I said, Mom, don't do it. That's going to be gross. And she said, that's all we got. And she put it in the pan, and it was really good. It had like a Thai teriyaki feel. And it was either good or we were just really hungry. I don't know. I appreciate my mom. A little unrelated, my... We were homeschooled for as long as they could afford it. My mom would spank me with a paddle. It was an actual plastic paddle with the paddle and the ball. What a waste of time. Thank God for those plastic paddles. They're so ridiculous. Like, like you almost had to not laugh when she's spanking you. But you had to act like it was painful, right? Because it did nothing. But what did do something was when she said, I'm going to let Dad know. 
You had to wait all day till dad got home. Amen. Let's get into the message. Uh, there's a lady I used to work with that uh, said that she doesn't believe in any religion because religion has never been kind to women. And I brought this point out a couple of years ago, I think during COVID. And to her, to her point, all kinds of religions, most if not all religions uh, throughout the world, uh, women are not regarded as precious. They're just not. They're often a second-hand citizen that they're there for making babies and taking care of the household chores and, and whatnot. And, and, and particularly Muslim-dominated uh, 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 countries, women are physically abused by far than countries of different religious status. And I could go on to just hitting these other religions. I just hit Muslims, uh, the Muslim religion, because they're, they're so awful to women, especially... Sharia law, what wickedness that is. And I'll preach that from the high hilltops on, all day long on the internet. I was watching a documentary years ago, and uh, it was this, some tribe out in the middle of nowhere, right? Some of them tribes are like almost cannibalistic. They just, I mean, there's just no civilization at all. And... Uh, they're all about these. It's just interesting to me how they live and, and whatnot. They're basically hunting with spears and primitive arrows. But particularly, this documentary was showing the relationship between the man and the woman. And the, the man was the hunter, right? And okay, sure. It would go get the food. And that's it. And the, the woman did like everything else, did the fire, got the wood for the fire, prepared the animal once it was brought to her. I mean, did, did everything. Everything else. And, 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 and the man treated her like garbage. And in this documentary, I mean, it was like over and over they would kill. It's mostly like some sort of bird or something. They'd they, they bring this bird back to the camp. And let's say that the, the, the wife was there with usually the, 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 the young women. And they're cooking or making baskets or whatever. The, the, the man, they would come in and they'd just drop the bird right by. And they'd go to bed like, there you go. I did my job for the day. I'm going to bed. And like over and over, that's what the men were doing. Eight years, years ago, as, as a young, young man, man, I remember, th I'm still a young man, I guess, I don't know. I hit 40, I don't, jury's out, I don't know. But, um, but man, they had homes, there's husbands that are awful like that. Yeah, put in my eight hours. It is all on you, woman. <laughs> Deal with it. I did my job for the day. I'm the man. You do everything else. As if the mom isn't being a mom all day long. Or the mom that goes to work and then comes home and is a mom 24-7 all day long. You say, well, how is that? Because that's just our human nature. We're lazy. We want to push it off on everybody else. But oh, how vastly different it is in a Christian country. But even more specifically, a Christian home. Wow. Can I tell you something this morning? There can only be one truth. Ever. Satan wants to sell you a bill of goods to say that, you know what, this is your truth. You know what, that, that's your truth for you. This is your time. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. This is your truth. You can make up whatever you want. Satan loves to hear that. 
He's been doing that since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And can I tell you this morning that any religion outside of the Word of God is completely man-made, thus it is imperfect and full of error. We as Bible-believing Christians, we know that there's only one God. There's only one truth and only one way of salvation for all mankind to be redeemed of our sins, amen. Oh, we're an imperfect people all day long, but we serve a perfect God. We'll never be uh, uh, purely Christ-like, but boy, we have something to strive for. We have a standard of truth that we should be living by. So that when we mess up as fathers, we can say, you know what? That's the standard I need to live by. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Isaiah 43.11 says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Any other religion is full of man's thoughts and man's ideas. Brothers Zollers, I've got a few more moments this morning, maybe ten more minutes or so. Would you pray for the rest of the message this morning? Amen. Biblical Christianity stands out from all religions of the world pretty much in every single aspect. Oh, I can proudly say that. Uh, but particularly this morning, can we just take a moment to see how Christianity itself sets, sets itself apart from all others concerning the treatment of women. Romans 13, 7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. You say then, well, who are we supposed to honor then this morning? My dad, if he was preaching, he'd say, well, I'm glad you asked. He'd probably point at you like this. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. <coughs> it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. This wasn't the first commandment. But it was the first commandment with promise. If we could just boil it down to when we say, well, this is my truth for me. That's exactly what every rebellious heart would say. And we can see it in the rebellious children, and rebellious preteens, rebellious teenagers, especially. When they say, well, I don't feel like I need to listen to my mom and dad. I don't feel like this is my truth. That is so ridiculous. Because they can't see past the rebellion because they, they see like a, what is it, a dove that only sees one thing at a time? Exodus twenty twelve says, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's either truth or it's not. We're either going to live by it or we're not going to at all. To put it in context, Paul, before Paul tells us to put on the armor of God, literally he, he's telling us to honor our mother and father Think about that. Telling us to, to obey those who have rule over you and then put on the armor of God. I, th I believe that there's significance to that in the order of what he's telling us. You first, we must first learn to obey and honor mom and dad. 
if you don't, you're, you're, you're not going to honor your boss. You're not going to honor the teachers. You're not going to honor the principal. You're not going to honor your employer. You're not going to honor your pastor. It just goes on and on. Because what's the root of it all? A rebellious heart. We want to act sophisticated, nay, woke. But it's truth nonetheless, and it's rebellion at the core. Let's take a look at how God feels about children that are disobedient. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not used to that. Everybody's already there. That's wonderful. 2 Timothy 3, 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. We're there, by the way. So let me just say this. Are we in the last times? I mean, there's no doubt. Paul said we're in the last times when he was alive. We're in the last times. We're in the last days of the last days. I mean, there's just so much there, right? But secondly, we all fall under this next... Uh, uh, Paul lays out a bunch of sins. All we got to do is find which one suits us the most. This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, look at this, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. It's like that scripture, I believe, Paul said, and such for some of you. <laughs> We're all guilty, amen. But biblical Christianity counts women as precious in the sight of the God, amen. God honored Mary Magdalene by coming to her first after the resurrection. I mean, God had women do big things throughout scripture. God saved his people, an entire nation, through Esther. I mean, God uses women. Women are precious throughout Scripture. Remember when God answered the prayer of Hannah praying for a child? Oh, what a good, what a good read that is. You want to read how God honors and praises a mother, a good mother? Read the entire chapters of Proverbs 31. You'll get a pretty good idea. A lot of times we get these ideas in our life of what a mother should be or what a father should be or how the home should be by what the Friends TV show tells us or what Simpsons shows us. And I'm not even being facetious. Whatever the, the, the latest social media says. And, and we call ourselves Christians, yet we never actually look at what Scripture says about anything. What's God say about divorce? Read it. Study for yourself. What's God say about marriage? What's God say about fornication, adultery? Name it. We call ourselves Christian, but we don't actually see what God has to say about it. God holds women as precious all throughout Scripture. My mom taught us in homeschool for as long as they could afford it. I don't know. They did it for seven or eight years. Uh... For me, it was through the second grade. I started public school, public school on from third grade on. And uh, Ryan was through the seventh grade or sixth grade or something like that. 
on down the line. They, they just couldn't afford it anymore. It's just what it, like, people think that, oh, homeschoolers, my, families, they're just taking the easy way out. Absolutely not. It costs, it costs money to do homeschool. It's not just some free thing. Not to mention the time it takes to be a good homeschool parent. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of bad homeschool parents out there. I condemn every one of them. But to be a homeschool parent, which is always the best if you can. But to be a good homeschool parent takes a lot of work. My wife teaches, well, I guess three now, kids in homeschool. And I tell you, if, if I had... We'd all do good to have just a little bit of character that Rachel has. I hold her in such high esteem, I, I couldn't hold her high enough. If she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. Amen. Miss Leah, she's my second wife. My first and the last. Amen. I was thanking her for her help yesterday. I was, I kind of came to Friday. I, was, I mean, I was down. It was Thursday night. I went down. And Friday, I mean, I was in bed all day. Um, yes, Miss Tammy, that's not normal for me. <laughs> but I was just down all day. And while I was down, she, she, I mentioned it earlier, she was just taking care of everything she could for me. Um, she, she just did every, just everything. And that's not abnormal for her. But that's what a good wife does. And that's what many of you would do for your husbands. Amen. And hopefully us husbands would do for our wives. Amen. But God sticks up for women in the Bible. Remember the woman at the well? Man, I'm thankful for that. You know, you know other religions, oh, they just condemn her. Throw her in jail. But Jesus said, he, he, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. It's not about who's a sinner. Who isn't? We're all sinners. But the difference is, by whose standard are we judging our sins? By our own standard? Because we can look pretty good if we compare ourselves to Adolf Hitler. Or do we compare ourselves to God's standard? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, I hope you're there. Ephesians 2, 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. I just got to point out, that's just another verse pointing to that God loved us while we were sinners. Some people believe that God didn't. I don't know how that's even possible. It says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Amen. Well, what a beautiful picture of God's mercy is. We too find ourselves knee deep in absolute sin. We are as guilty as can be. But God, who is rich in mercy, has given us salvation, even though, Miss Diane, we're so undeserving of it. I mean, I mean, you, you start having a depressed moment or thinking your life is so hard. Um, um, you know, have you been in a hospital bed for years? No. Maybe your mom's still around. Maybe your parents are both around. Maybe you're not homeless. All you got to do is start thinking of the blessings that you have, and all of a sudden it's insurmountable. You live in America. That alone is a standard of grace and mercy. It 
See, all we have to do is accept the salvation that God offers. The woman at the the woman at the well was given a choice. She didn't have to. She didn't have to accept that salvation. She just could have rejected it. Had a rebellious heart. Said, "I hate all men. Forget you." No, no. The modern day woman says, "Yeah, but the Bible says they have to submit to my husband, and I shouldn't have to submit to anyone." By the way. The tone of that language is music to Satan's ears. I'm gonna. That's that's my generation. Don't like hearing that particularly. We're there in Ephesians. Just go up a little further. It says Ephesians five twenty four says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Boy, that rubs people the wrong way nowadays. And then, but you have to stop and ask yourself the question, according to whose truth? My truth that I've derived upon the social media and the TV and the cable that I love to watch and Netflix and Hulu and Disney and Peacock, HBO, Prime. I got half of those. Amen. Yeah, amen. Or is it according to God's word? I mean, is it just what we want in our rebellious state? Or according to God's word. Uh, Brother John did a great job preaching on basically why we don't drink alcohol in Sunday school. And it was a wonderful message. But he made the point of verses taken out of context. And, 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 or I should say not out of context, but abused verses. And a lot of times, you know, somebody will come to this verse and stop right there. Oh, I'm not going to submit to my husband. Ain't no way. They don't read the next verse. Did you know as we as men have a higher standard as we should be willing to die for our wives. Christ, God didn't say that, that wives have to die for their husbands. But we have to die for our wives. What's up with that, Miss Leah? Come on. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It just got real. John 15, 13, greater love had no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Husbands, how can we say, honey, I'll die for you. I'd do anything for you. Oh, I will not take out the trash again. Honey, I will do anything for you except for that. Honey, I love you so much to the moon. I'll do anything except for that because I like doing that. I like my sin. I like my selfishness. I like my laziness more than I love you is what we're saying. You say, Pastor, you're not perfect. Oh, I'm far from it. Please, nobody talk to Miss Rachel when service is over. Amen. Two or three minutes and we'll be done. A lot of jokes are made about how Eve was deceived first and then Adam, but that's actually not even true at all. Um, Adam so loved his wife that he took the, 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 the tree out of love. He was not deceived when he ate of the fruit. He knew what he was doing. It's left to speculate, but I would strongly speculate that he took of that fruit because he loved his wife and didn't want her to face the consequences on her own. 
That's Dan Gunther speculating, but I don't see much more there, room for much more else. Amen. I believe that Adam loved Eve with all of his heart. You have to turn there, but 1 Timothy 2.14 says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The modern day woman will say, we need equality. Church, Adam gave her equality when he took of the fruit. If we dwell on that for a moment. And by the way, God's all about equality, just not in the woke way that we want to think about. Can I tell you that men and women are equally born wicked and equally absolutely sinful to the core? Romans 2.11 says, there's no respect of persons with God. You're equally a sinner. I'm equally a sinner. I can't be casting stones at you. Oh, I can point to the word of God and we can say, hey, this is truth and you're wrong because this is truth. But it's also a mirror that says where my wrongs are. Right? But because we're all sinners to the core equally, we all have the same hope of salvation equally. Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what equality is. If your mother's lost this morning, she doesn't know the Lord, the greatest thing that you could do for her is share with her salvation. If she didn't get saved today or tomorrow or next week or this month or this year, you could plant the seed and be a witness to her, not badgering her, not not forcing it upon her, but showing her in love what the truth is. Some people have walls built up so thick and so high, They've determined not to listen to anything you have to say because of what they've been taught their whole lives. And they don't want the truth of the Word of God coming through. If you're lost this morning, the greatest thing that you can do for your mother is accept Christ as your Savior. There's no greater thing whether you realize it or not. Eternity is forever. It's not just like a tattoo where you have it for this lifetime. This is forever. I, uh, uh, I hate to even think of it, it'll, <clears throat> but uh, we recently found out my mom has stage four cancer, and it changes how you look at things, and there's a song been on my heart with this message, and, and lately I can't sing it. But just a couple lines. I want us to be together in heaven. I want to walk down the streets of pure gold. I want to run through the fields of green clover. See the mansion, smell the flowers. Hear the singing, it's all ours. See the river gently flowing. Feel the gentle breezes blowing. And I want us to be together in heaven. If your mom's not saved this morning, boy, I would hope that when church is over, you'd, you'd call her, go to her house, and as earnestly and loving as you can, share with her the gospel.
no matter how maybe hateful she might be to you. Maybe you're a mother and you've got a daughter. It's hard to witness to your loved ones, your siblings or your parents. I, I get it. But we're talking about eternity. And there's no greater loving thing to do than to share the truth. Whether it's from every little commandment, every little principle that God's given us, to the essentials of salvation. Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, I, I pray that you'd be honored in this message.